We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. We are now into your lucky episode number yes. 34. I'm really pumped that I'm really pumped that episode 34 is about something very near and dear to my heart. It is, and you might want to fix your headphones because they're falling off your face a little Uh-oh. bit. <laughs> well, I can't, can't mess up the hair. There you go. I know you can't, but you also can't lose the headphones. There we go. Podcast. There we go. Okay, I feel good now. We are here on our next podcast takeover, which has been uh, quite a while since the last one. Mm-hmm. Laurelwood, I believe, was the last podcast takeover that we did, so that was... Hell, like seven weeks ago. Something this like point. that, yeah. We were or, a little behind. Or longer than that. So we are in a new city for us for the takeovers, mm-hmm. and we are in a new state for us for the takeovers. Ooh, yes. We have been to the state to record the podcast, but not for a takeover. We're in Washington. We're up in Vancouver, and we're at Lewitt Brewing today. This is a place that I've only been to once because you brought me here on Super Bowl Sunday before we went to the Super Bowl party, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming you've been here quite a many times. Yes, I mean... So long story short, this the Lewitt is downtown Vancouver, across the street from the Big Hilton, uh, right right near Esther Shore Park, and I grew up. Yeah, it's on Columbia. I grew up, so we're on like sixth in Columbia, something like that. I believe so. And I grew up on twenty fifth in Columbia. So like I literally grew up up the road, and this place opened. I'm not sure how long they've been open, but when they first opened, so this area that we're sitting in right now, that was it. There was a giant wall behind us. Oh, so so was, this like expansion side is all brand new. So it was basically just like a tap room with standing room only. Yep. It, it would feel like. <laughs> uh-huh. And then if you go into the back where the brewery is, you would hang a left, and there's a bunch of like picnic tables back there. So there was more seating, and you, they do live music. But since they've expanded, I don't know. I've always I've always thought very very highly of this brewery as far as the Vancouver scene trying to get into it. Um, I have from afar watched, paid attention very closely to this brewery. I don't know. I don't know if it's some of the people that I first met or it being one of the kind of first notarized breweries in this town, but for some reason, the first time I ever came here, I have clinged to it since. Well, if you are listening to a podcast takeover for the first time, what we tend to do is we taste the food, we try a bunch of beers, and we talk about that in the first segment. We then will have a guest on from the brewery in the second segment, and we will do our beer of the week of a beer from this brewery in our beer of the week. So... That's what we do. It's what we've done. There's a couple others that we've done before as well if you want to check those out after listening to this podcast. But uh, that's kind of the formula that we're going to do. We already have food and beer in front of us, so we're going to get to that here in a second. Uh, You can find us all over the place. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 1080thefan.com, radio.com, and Stitcher. Uh, You can set notifications on your phone so that it'll it'll tell you when the the podcast is uploaded. It's every Thursday around 4 o'clock, sometimes a little before, sometimes a little after. And uh, you can... Rate, subscribe, review to us there, or review us there, which would be really helpful. And if you do that, so thank you. And you can find us on social media. I'm at Mike Lynch27 on Twitter. Patrick's at pdiddy085 on Instagram. We also post the podcast there if you're looking for another way to find it. And uh, yeah, so let's get going. We got each got a sample tray in front of us. Each have a little bit of food in front of us. Where yep. do you want to go? Where do you want to start? Um, let's start with uh, let's let's start with food. Okay. 
Um, I got a pretzel because I wanted to. Because I wanted to get a pretzel. I always think. I, I had breakfast recently, not super recently, but within the last like two hours or so. Okay. So I wasn't super hungry. Um, but I like I like pretzels because I think they're a good kind of show because they're such a great like snack food with beer and kind of like historically traditional with beer with the Germans and stuff like that. That it's an easy go-to for me. It's also something that's available at almost every brewery, so mm-hmm. it's almost a good way to be like, hey, you got a good pretzel? I know I'm going to like you. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. They are at every single brewery. Yeah. So, yeah, they, I think it'd be easy to, yeah, I like that thought. Yeah. I haven't really thought about there, it that There way. are certain things if you go to a brewery that you can get, and it doesn't mean anything uh, definitive, but you could be like, this place has great pretzels. Mm-hmm. That means they're probably going to have great beer. You know, <laughs> It's not always the same, right, but right. It, it's just the thought that you can have go through. Well, yeah, and I mean, we've said this many times on the podcast. Like, if you can, if you can, if you can show that you can make great food that people can get behind, that people can enjoy with plenty of options and blah, da, 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 da. It says if you're willing to take the time and effort to think about the food, hopefully you're taking the time and effort to think about the beer. As well, it's a total package. We always say this. I, I 100% agree with that, and that's why when I did my, this was years ago. I think I've talked about it once before on the podcast. I was doing like a beer tour, my wife and I, and we were looking at all the, the breweries in the area. We put a bunch on our list, and we the big caveat was we had to have a place that had food because we wanted to go have a meal at the brewery and have and try their beer. So there was a bunch on there that we just left off the list because they didn't have food because to me that's really important. And you're right. If you care about your food and you give quality food out there and you have an interesting menu or a unique menu, whatever, then I think you have an interesting menu of beer, or at least I would assume that you have an interesting menu of beer and also make good beer. Uh, for me, I brought, I got myself, of course, shocking, a burger. Uh, it's called the Timber Burger. It's got an egg on it. It's got some jalapenos, uh, lettuce, tomato, onion, all, all the usual stuff. And I got some potato wedges as well. It's a really good burger. It's got barbecue sauce on it and uh, just uh, an, a good, solid, over-the-top burger, which is kind of like my favorite thing to, to eat in general, is a burger that's loaded with interesting toppings. And this is totally hitting the spot for me right now. I know. <laughs> I saw you. You was like, what are you getting, burger, right? And you were like, yeah, I think I'm going to get this one. And I looked at it, and I was like, jalapenos, fried egg, crispy onion. Yeah, yeah, that's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> me. <laughs> um, so that's the food. I mean, the, the menu is not the biggest menu I've ever seen. No. Uh, but burgers, sandwiches, the pretzel on the appetizer list. I saw some interesting dips, and they have salads and stuff. So it's a, it's a good, well-rounded menu, but it's not huge, not overwhelming. Right. Uh, sometimes that's that's the good thing. I mean, I've yeah. been to so many places. It's like uh, I remember when Fatheads was open. That menu was like, I swear, like 10 pages long. Yeah, but and and that can just be too much. You had you to know? focus on those sandwiches, though. I know, I know. <laughs> it was all about the sandwiches there. Uh, but outside of food, I I really like this place. They they probably expanded. I don't know, maybe a year or two ago here, and it used to be just this kind of small tap room before they had food. And now it's a pretty good size. You can bring kids in. Um, Lewitt has done many sort of like a kind of comic book, uh, martial art video game kind of stuff with their with their. Uh, brand. I noticed they got some arcade machines behind So they have these old arcade machines that are free. You can play play them for free all day, every day if you want. They get comic books you can read. Like I said, they've done live music in the in the back room, like in front of the brewery. So that's, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll take you back there and show you that spot. So it's a very inviting atmosphere. I think these guys are super smart to put the money in to invest because the location that they're in come maybe four or five years from now, uh, downtown Vancouver with the whole waterfront project going on, this is going to be potentially the brewery to be at if you're downtown. If you're coming from Beaverton because you hear downtown Vancouver is really nice or Gresham or you're visiting from out from outside of the area, um, you're going to be attracted to downtown and this place is going to 
give you that. Well, so that's what I was going to ask. So location-wise, you said it's on 6th and Columbia, which for those who live in Vancouver know where that is off, mm-hmm. off the top of your head. I drove here from home from Beaverton, so uh, easy easy enough to get here, to be honest with you. you get, it's right off I-5. You're on 5, you get off the city center exit, take 6th Avenue, it's like your third left, and it's right there. It's literally right right here in the center of downtown. And if, it, and if this area does pick up like you've been predicting, that it's gonna, they're really putting a lot of money into it, then yeah, 100% I could see this being the center because you're really right off the highway right here. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, at the moment, when I was driving in, I didn't see a lot of other things that necessarily appealed to your eye. Like, oh, I have to stop there. Right. But you drive here and you get right next to the convention center and you see brewery and there's a little, a little like, uh, sidewalk sign they have out by the, the corner of the street there. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yeah, brewery, let's go. Yep. Right here, right smack dab in the middle. Uh, and then right next door is one of the best restaurants in Vancouver, the Smoke and Oak. It's a barbecue barbecue joint uh, owned by Cougs, Go Cougs. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, yeah, and I think those guys are really smart for doing the same thing. So these two companies right here next to each other are already here ahead of the curve. And I think they will be staples. And as long as they continue to continue to do great work, um, they'll thrive. Uh, Decor-wise, before we get to the beer, which we've been sipping on, don't worry. And there's a very unique thing about the sample tray that we're yeah, both very yeah. excited about. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> we talked about this with the brewery look episode. It has a very similar look to a lot of breweries. There's the wood paneling. There's the, uh, not necessarily exposed ceilings, but you can see into the brewery through the doorway and you kind of get, get that a little bit of an industrial vibe. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I'm liking about it, and I, I mentioned this before the podcast started, it's kind of sunny today. There's, there's some sun peeking through. That makes this place really pop to me. Cause we were here on Super Bowl Sunday. It was a cloudy day. It was going to snow that night. It was kind of crappy and it was I mean, to be honest, a little bit dark in here. But with the sun, this place is really nice. Like, I'm, I'm really happy to be here right now. Well, the street view is all windows. And uh, on the expansion side, on the south part of the tap room, it, uh, the window there is a roll-up door. So in the summertime, you can just roll that bad boy up and sit there. And it's, it's almost like you're sitting outside. I but very much enjoy that trend. It's in a lot of restaurants that I've noticed mm-hmm. now. They have that old garage door that they turn into a window. We do at two of our three breakside locations. It's, gr- it's, it's just, awesome. It's perfect, yeah. It's really cool, and I'm, I'm really digging. I'm just really excited to be here. I don't know if I just had, like, a really awesome morning or if it's episode number 34. All of those things are correct. Um, but I'm just I'm really excited oh, to be here. you had an awesome morning? Yeah, I had a great morning. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Really relaxed. Really relaxed. Uh, I'm excited to be here just because it's a, it's a new area for me, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a place that I come to very often, although this past weekend, we didn't do our weekend beer, but quickly, this past weekend, I did wind up going up to Grains of Wrath and Camas. So did I. <laughs> but we didn't see each <laughs> we other. We did not. We didn't even know we were both going. No, I went at around lunchtime, and you said you went closer to dinner time. And I went to 5440 out in Washougal as well, mm-hmm. out in their giant warehouse. So it was uh, a bit – I came up here, but not here. Right. Uh, it's Grains of Wrath. It was their first birthday. It was. It was. I didn't know that. I was just like, hey, honey, you want to go to Grains of Wrath? I told you you'd like it. We can go. She was like, sure. And then it was really busy, and I was like, what is happening? Yeah, I went with a work friend, and we wanted to go and check it out and said hi to Mike and Owen and Cody and all those guys out there. And they are great. The place was nuts. Yeah. The place was absolutely bananas. Mike said that they were, they were, uh, their lull was between 2 and 2.30, and then it just ramped right back up again. <laughs> they had a metal band playing outside. They didn't. I left before they started their set, but they – did a sound check to Man in a Box from mm. Alice in Chains, mm. and it was fresh. It was <laughs> so good that I almost stayed. But anyway, so that was our weekend beer. So it, it's – I do – I don't know. I've, I feel almost – You have like a kinship to this place. I, I've got this little nostalgia. I mean, like I'm looking out the window, and I'm seeing Esther Shore Park, and I know that my mom is literally sitting at her house – 
20 blocks north. Yep. Just kicking it. And I don't know, man. I just uh, this this is my town. I gr- I grew up here. And I think it's easy when you think of Vancouver. Another reason why I think this place is going to be so successful is that this place has identity. And downtown Vancouver has a lot of identity. And I don't mean that as a slight towards out east or up north, but both of them tend to be more modern day developments, you know, like stuff you would see out in like Beaverton, right. so to say. To newer where homes newer, close together. Yeah, strip malls and chain restaurants and stuff like that to where we don't really have that in downtown Vancouver. I mean, there's no there's no fast food right. in downtown Vancouver. There used to be Burgerville, but that one closed. There's like two gas stations. There's no grocery store until you get a little further north. Um, downtown Vancouver has always just kind of been a little neighborhood. And if you pick a good time to come here, obviously don't come here during rush hour unless you have to. But if you pick a time like off hours like we're here now, it took me from deep West Beaverton, it took me 30 minutes flat. And I got here, I mean, come on. You can get anywhere in the city 30 minutes flat. And you were able to cross the river and it was fine. So come check it out. You yeah. know? <laughs> f- pl- including finding parking, 10 minutes from Killingsworth. Killingsworth yep. and I-5, 10 minutes. Yep. It was awesome. All right, now on to the beer. On to the beer. We've got the sample trays in front of us. And First of all. We've talked about sample trays, how much we love them. Yes, that's what I was going to say. We we both have a spot in our heart I'm, for I'm more cool of the, sample trays. I'm more of the aesthetic of the sample tray because I tend to just prefer to drink the full pint. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy sample trays if I'm going to a new place, but I'm kind of with you that I like to have a full pint as well. But, yeah, the look of the sample trays is very, very Maybe not important, but just kind of cool. It's a cool addition to it because mm-hmm. so many breweries now do this kind of generic wood board that looks like a paddle, and everyone kind of does it. And you're like, yeah, ah, okay, I, yep. I, I get it. Uh, my favorite has always been buoys because they actually have a buoy, and it's in mm-hmm. a circle, and it looks like it's a buoy in the water. This one's really cool because it, it takes into account the logo of Lewitt, which honestly I'm not really sure what it is. It kind of looks like a fire hook on top of a mountain. It's but like a fire hook almost in the shape of an L. Yeah, almost. But that is exactly what is on top of the sample tray with a little handle. It's a fire hook with, in the shape of the over the mountain. And, it's and the mountain is on the bottom, if you didn't mm-hmm. notice, of the sample tray. It's basically their logo in metal metalwork form, and it's really cool. It looks hand-welded, yeah. which I think adds to it. Like someone crafted these for them. I don't know if it was someone in-house or something like that. But you can tell that they weren't, like, ordered online. Right. You know, like somebody made these. And I think that adds to, you know, the, the charm. The uh, other cool thing about this. Oh, that I cannot get enough of. Is it has six spots for beer. Mm-hmm. And they let you write your beer on the little, like, uh, a little marker underneath it. And the sixth spot, you can't write a beer because there's something already written there. And it says spicy pickled green beans. Mm-hmm. And we, we were at the bar and we were like, so we just get that with the sample tray? She goes, yep. And she's like, it's a palate cleanser. And I was like, that's so cool. It's amazing. Because the way I drink sample trays, I think the way a lot of people drink sample trays, although not the way you're doing it right now, um, is I like to sip from each beer Mm -hmm. one through six or one through whatever and then go back to one and do it again. I like to kind of try them all. I don't like to focus on one unless there's one I just didn't love that much and I just try to get it over with. Uh, So having a little palate cleanser of a spicy green bean is awesome. It's really cool to be able to take a bite of that, make sure that beer tastes out of your mouth, kind of get it refreshed, and then try it anew. Because when you drink sample trays, you are mixing flavors. And you can still determine what beer is what, and it doesn't affect the beer necessarily. Right. I mean, if you think about, if you go to, like, fancier restaurants, they'll give you sorbet in between courses. Oh, yes. Because they want you to clear your palate for the next course. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like what this is, just in a 
for lack of a better idea, more of a brewery way. Pickled vegetable in a little beer glass right with your sample tray. Yeah, and I'm looking at this from like a front of house perspective right now and like from a management perspective as well. What's really brilliant about this is, you know, like I'm tempted to find a way to steal this because you can put these, you can put these green beans in a jar, pickle them, have them stored behind the bar, and anytime someone gets a taster tray, you throw these on and kitchen's not bothered. If you don't have a kitchen, you can still do it. I really, really like this concept because it, it takes no stress to do it. They're not going bad, so you don't have to worry about perishable food. Right. And and it's it's I'm sure it's built into the cost of the tray, but it can't be that expensive. And so it's just it seems more like a free bonus. At first, when I saw something written there, I was like, oh, I have to have one of the beers. Right, that's what I thought. But I too. wanted to choose all six, and yeah. then I was like, wait, we really getting spicy pickled green beans? And she was like, yeah, palate cleanser. Okay. That's better than a sixth beer. Exactly. I'm happy. A hundred percent. So that's another cool thing. And that's I might, I might steal that. <laughs> and that's one way that I think that in, in, a, in a time that we have right now in, in the Portland metro area with breweries where there's so many and we've seen some fail recently mm-hmm. more than we'd like to see, uh, you need to find a way to stand out and do something different. Now, being in Vancouver is one way of standing out because it's one of so only so many breweries up in this area. So people who live here, it's an easy option for you. But it's also another way is to do things like this with the sample tray. A, make it look cool. I just think that's a cool added element. And then B, do the, the little uh, accoutrement on the side. Mm-hmm. It's really, really unique and different. And we don't see enough of that in the brewery world. A lot of people do a lot of similar things. Now, mm-hmm. the beer, of course, is different everywhere, but right. I'm talking just about this kind of stuff. This is really cool. It's the attention to detail. Yep. And, it, and it's absolutely phenomenal, and it's, and it's definitely necessary. Um, to, to fill you guys in, and, and maybe even for you, Mike, as well, on some of their, like, flagship beers. I was um, going to ask you, what are they known for? Yeah. Um, this place I've grown up with, uh, the Shadow Shinobi, as it's called now, although it was once called Shadow Ninja, um, I believe they got a cease and desist from some from somebody for it, which is dumb, but whatever, you have to deal with it. So I will always call it Shadow Ninja. That's just how I feel about it. <laughs> but it is Shadow Shinobi. That's their house IPA. Looks like it's got Nugget, Mount Hood, Cascade, and Crystal. It's a Northwest IPA, so if I if I remember correctly, I've had one pretty recently. It's got it's more of a, a like a copper colored IPA, a little deeper, almost almost ambery color. It's got a malt profile. I learned this uh, this week from Mike Hunsaker when I went out to Grand Zarath because I was telling him because he had me try his Northwest IPA, and I told him when I when I saw that I was thinking West Coast IPA, and mm. when I tasted it, I was like, this is really malty. And he was like, yeah, because it was, he said it was just a different time because West Coast was so, so, so hoppy, and the Northwest mm-hmm. wanted their own identity right. for the IPA, and it made it a little bit maltier. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yep, yep. So that's kind of the route they go. Um, one of their big ones that I think is, is probably got to be one of their highest sellers outside of the IPA is their 216 Red. Um, the Red has been here as long as this place has been here. I can't remember ever not seeing the 216. And they've, they one of their first beers they packaged – in 22s, I believe, is how they started with that. So those are the ones I've always known. And then their new big one that has been out for a while now, but it's still a forefront for them, would be the Lewitt Lager, just their kind of house lager. Um, so they've got three signature beers, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and they've got the uh, – so there's the Shadow Shinobi, and then there's the Shadow something. Their double IPA and their triple IPAs have been noted 
over gotcha. the last few years, too. I just can't remember the names of them. I'm sure someone can help us out with that. Um, so they have been an IPA brewery, but the Reds have obviously been really important. And this is something we talk about that, that I talk about in my own personal life. You know, Vancouver, the average consumer, and, and if you're listening and you disagree, I don't mean this as, as a diss by any means, but what I have noticed is that the, the average beer drinking consumer is, is a little behind the average beer consumer in Portland. I think a lot of that is because Portland has had local breweries a lot longer than Vancouver has. And so they're they're playing catch-up, so they're getting there. So to have this fantastic red on is going to, again, that approachability, is going to bring people in to a neighborhood that might not necessarily drink a ton of craft beer, but now they have that venture to get into. So the beers I chose on my sample tray, remember we get five of them plus the uh, the spicy green beans. Uh, I took the 216 Red, one of the one of the flagship beers. I chose the Bushido Brown Ale. Okay. Uh, I'm not much of a brown ale guy, but it is a dark beer, which I do, of course, enjoy. So for me, it's one that I kind of – I was like, all right, I'll try that one. I wanted to try one of their IPAs, so I went with their Session IPA, the Excelsior Session IPA. And then I went on to the back. I got the Chance the Raptor, great name, uh, Doppelbach, and the Shimmer Gloom Imperial Stout, of course, which is uh, my go-to. So those are the five that I chose, a red, a brown, a stout, a Doppelbach, and an IPA, which to me sounds pretty perfect. Yep. Um, let's see. I did um, I did the Aeroplane Over the Sea, which is an IPA, uh, classic Sea Hop IPA, so um, Centennial Cascade, Citra, Chinook, and Columbus, the whole shebang there. I went with that, and then I went with number 16. Oh, yeah, I wanted to try their new IPAs. Go Flying Nimbus, which is dry hopped with Waimea, Simcoe, Equinauts, and Mosaic, all hops that I really, really enjoy. Is Waimea one of the New Zealand ones? Yeah, one of the southern hemispheres, yeah. yeah. So Waimea, every time I see that, I'm always really interested in that. And I'm tasting it right now, and it's blowing my mind. Um, I also got this Bridge City Sinners Black Lemon Lager. That's interesting. Uh, and it was quite interesting. Um, it says it's a light lager dried out with some enzyme that I'm not going to uh, try to pronounce. Infused with Northwest blackberry puree and zested lemon. Um, How did it, that? That's a crazy one to me. How does that taste? Yeah, it wasn't as dark as I thought it was going to be. It was more of like an amber color. Uh, but the lemon was very much there. And the blackberry was subtle to the point that it gave it like a touch of sweetness in a very complimentary way. I dug it. I really liked it. I don't know if it's a good or bad beer because it's so outside the box. Right. <laughs> so I don't really know the best way to really kind of wrap my head over, like, actual tasting notes for it. But I enjoyed it. I mean, it's not a bad beer by any means. I just don't know how to kind of how to, like, judge right. a beer like that. And you also got the Doppelbach as well. I did, yes. And then that leads me to the last two I got was Chance the Raptor. I got that as the Doppelbach. I know you like Doppelbachs. And I do. I'm not the biggest Doppelbach guy, but I'm trying to, and I thought the name was really great. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, in Chance the Raptor. Uh, and then I went super outside of my comfort zone, and I went with the Sunward Hef, which is an American Hefeweizen. Um Citrus and whole melon hops. It's very funny to me that that's outside your comfort zone because when I think of you, I think light beers, I think drinkable beers, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what a Hef is by default, right? Light and drinkable. Right. Well, I was just really curious because I don't drink a ton of American Hefs that I was interested in their American Hef, and it was the first beer I started with, and it, uh, oh, it's funny, I didn't even see this yet, and I was just exactly what I was going to say. In the description, it says, the wheat yeast provides a subtle background of banana and clove. It tastes, it, it tastes... It's got, like, some nodes of traditional-style hefts instead of just this, like, lemon-citrus bomb sort of thing that you get from, like, a Widmer. 
Which one has been your favorite thus far? Ooh, it's got to be this 16, this Go Flying Nimbus. The Waimea, Simcoe, Equinauts, and Mosaic. It's just, it's juicy, but not in like a hazy juicy way. It's like a citrusy juicy. The body is really clean, and it finishes really nice with some subtle bitterness to it. That's uh, what I've, I have not tried the, the Doppelbach yet or the C IPA. Okay. I've tried all of them. And I would say my favorite is probably, maybe surprisingly, the Excelsior IPA, the Session IPA, because mm. uh, I got basically a red and three dark beers beyond that one. But it, it's super, super refreshing and drinkable. When you look at the the description of it, it says citrusy and gungy, but smooth and crisp. It is citrusy. It does have that nice hop flavor, but it's super easy to drink, which hence the Session IPA. I'm not a guy who drinks a lot of Session IPAs because I'm – this is kind of how I am in, in my food world as well. I like really big, bold flavors. Mm -hmm. So Session IPAs are not quite as bold because they're easier right. to drink. But you, you're, they're like lacking body for you probably. Right. But for some reason, this one is really, really speaking to me, at least of the five that I chose. I, I actually like all of them a lot. I'd say my next favorite is probably the Bushido Brown. I don't drink a lot of brown ales. Lot, I mean, I hell, don't see a lot of brown beers. The last brown ale I remember having is the Newcastle yeah. <laughs> back when I was in college. A Nuki Brun, as they like to say. Uh, so this is really solid. It's interesting because it gives you that dark beer kind of maltiness that you're looking for, but it's nowhere near as heavy as, say, like the stout that I have. Nutty? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, a is. little nutty. It is a little bit nutty in there. This is only my, like, my fourth sip of it, but... Uh, it is a little bit nutty. It says it has fruity, fruity notes on it in the menu. I'm not sure if I get that, but then again, I'm trying a bunch of beers at once, so right. hard to focus on all the tasting notes. Uh, so, yeah, that's Lewitt Brewing. That's what we've got in front of us right now. I'm, I'm frankly really enjoying myself. Yeah, I've been, I've, uh, all the beers that I've had have been really, really nice. All right, coming up next, it is our interview portion of the podcast. We're going to be talking with Matt and Phil. Matt's the GM of everything, and Phil is the head brewer here, and mostly going to be Phil from what I understand, yeah, but yeah. Uh, Matt might sneak in a little bit every once in a while. So that's uh, coming up next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris, live from Lewitt. Interview portion time with Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. we got a... A couple of guests with us, although they're going to have to share one headset, which is going to be interesting to watch. Awkward. Uh, on the headset at the moment is Phil Runner. He's the head brewer, and then Matt Freeland sitting alongside him. He is the head, or he's the GM of literally everything here. So I want to start with this because we were both raving about it, but I have literally never seen a six sample tray cup filled with non beer. You put the spicy pickled greens, green beans in here, and both of us were saying just how cool it was. And such a great idea to kind of differentiate yourselves, but also give you a palate cleanser. Because you don't do that with sample trays. You take sips of each, and then they blend together, and maybe you forget. What made you think of doing that? It was such a cool idea. Uh, well, um, whenever we were building out the tap room, and uh, we were uh, this place was like an awful waterfall of ideas. We were all kind of like piling all these, uh, we want this, and we want this ideas. And um, we didn't really have... We were selling lots of flights, but there wasn't a lot of like emphasis on actually taking the time to taste the beer. And uh, kind of just like that average person rolls into a place they've never been, so they buy a flight. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like, and and uh, I mean, it, you know, we can encourage people to get a palate cleanser or something mm -hmm. like that, you know, but it wasn't happening a lot. Yeah, and I really kind of wanted to just like, force my way in there to get people to like. Know, actually be able to taste what's going on we have a lot of really malty stuff and we do a lot of really hoppy stuff and and we have some middle of the road stuff too but i just needed it like i go through and i taste our beers and i'm like 
Yeah, I have pallet fatigue all day long. That's that's my whole life. So green beans, it's a no-brainer. Plus, they're, they were our favorite snack when we first opened, too. <laughs> you know, we were all just bring out piles of these things. We'll it, it, I've never seen that anywhere else. I mean, I'm sure other places do it, but not places that I've been, at least. And I'm telling you that when I saw that, I was like, yes, Sweet. I want that. It's uh, good. If I, if I steal this idea, I will give you full credit. Oh, thanks. I promise. I, I promise. <laughs> I won't just pass it off as my own idea. I'll give you full credit. Well, since we've got, uh, we've got Phil with us right now, we'll stick to the beer before we switch to some of the Vancouver stuff. So your flagship beers, you've got the Shadow Shinobi IPA. Mm-hmm. You've got the 216 Red Ale. Mm-hmm. And then you said, Patrick, it was the Lager, the Lewitt Lager, Lewitt Lager. flagship. Mm-hmm. Are those your three flagships, that's it? Or do you have other ones you consider flagships? Uh, Iron Rabbit, our hazy IPA, is uh, now, according to us, considered a flagship. We kind of Everything's getting a little bit of a restructuring this year as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, the hazy IPA, we kind of had to add one to the list. And we brewed like... We brewed like 20-plus of them last year and the year before to try to iron out that recipe. But um, that and, hey, yeah, flagship-wise, I think that pretty much covers it. We also include our Russian Imperial Stout in there, but it's a—it's uh, like we keep it in stock all year long. We only package it once. It, is it important to you guys to keep that red as a flagship beer, as an approachable beer, a beer for a lot of people to drink? Yeah, yeah, it is because it's a style that's kind of slipping. Uh, more and more and honestly um, and when I started here I wasn't I, I don't know I didn't drink that style a lot it wasn't something I reached for and uh, um, I wasn't immediately drawn to it either but after about the second or third time we made it I, I'd go over and once I'd get it carved in on the bright and try it you know I'd, I was just more and more I was like man this is this is really fun and easy to drink like and we kept getting a lot of feedback from the field just saying People found that for the style, it was one of the easier ones to drink. So, yeah, we we're pretty proud of that beer. Yeah. How how would you how far would you say you've come in the, in the time here? Because I remember coming here. You know, I'm, I may not be a day oneer per se, but I've been in here since you guys kind of first came around. Mm-hmm. What would you say? How far has the beer come? At least personally, consumer wise, what growth have you guys really seen? Oh well. Being that I'm still kind of the new guy around here, two years in, um, things have come a long way. Uh, when I came, uh, first off, let, let me be perfectly clear about saying when I, when I came here, it wasn't to look for a job, but Matt was the head brewer, and um, there were only six beers on at the time, and uh, I'm, I wasn't uh, drinking heavy um, at the time at all, and uh, I sat here for like six or seven pints. And it was like one of his dry hop lagers that just kind of forced me into it. And it was fantastic. And then when I came on board and saw what we were doing, and I, I coming from a production brewing background, I saw a lot of opportunities for us to uh, kind of reel in process and make little tiny improvements and tweaks along the way to kind of get us elevated a little up and off the platform we were on. Um, as a company now, considering it doesn't feel like we've, changed that much to me or grown that much to me but then again we were in this tiny tiny little room with six taps and no kitchen and all that kind of stuff too so I guess it's like watching your kid grow up you know a little bit every day <laughs> kind of like um, as a company I'd say we've come light years from where things started off especially the days back before Matt was the head brewer because uh, Matt Matt kind of was the catalyst to get this place 
propelled forward. I think Devin and Tom, when they started, you know, they were just like any other home brewer that buys a a, a, a big brew kit, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of know what I've been doing at home. I want to do that. But it took somebody like Matt who had some really, like, nitty-gritty, like, experience. And, I mean, really nitty-gritty experience uh, to kind of, like, come in and be like, no, <laughs> no, we're gonna no, we're gonna change things a little bit here, and we're gonna we can take these recipes, but we can we can make a lot of advancements. So you're in the beer hub uh, of the country in the Portland metro area, but you're in Vancouver. Do you find it easier or harder to grow because you're in such a busy industry and you're in Vancouver, or is it easier because you're in Vancouver and away from everybody in in Portland? Mm. Uh, well. That's a toughie. Uh, I live in Portland, and I don't see my beer as much over there as I'd like to. That being said, when I cross the river and come into Vancouver, I see our beer pretty much every place I walk in. So I feel here in the home market it's really easy because there's a this place has an amazing community behind it. And I mean, it, it's it's amazing. I've been yeah. I'm still two years in, and I'm still getting to know regulars that I've been seeing for years. And uh, I still meet people randomly. Some at the Mardi Gras parade in Portland the other night, I met a woman who, uh, she's a postal carrier here in Vancouver, and she's, you know, she's like, "Oh my God, you brew at Lewitt? I'm such a huge fan. I have your, I have your IPA in my fridge right now at home, you know." And um, I think, I think having a strong home market to kind of, to kind of pad yourself is amazing. Um, but I do think. Having markets like Portland right nearby, and even Seattle, uh, it's there's so there's so much. It's like wading through the weeds, you know. Like there's so many great breweries out there. Like you guys got to kind of keep plugging on because it's not like you're trying to weed through a bunch of really bad brewers to get your beer noticed. It, it's like everybody's just really doing great stuff. Well, I was going to ask, like, what do you? What are the steps you think? You can take, I mean, obviously everything in this biz, no matter who you are, where you are, takes a little bit of luck, but what are the steps you want to take or can take to get this beer more out in front in other markets like a Seattle or a Portland? Ah, uh, well. Do you got to pay to play for distributors? Should I just go hand some money to people? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it were that easy. Um, well, a big opportunity for us is that we don't really have much sales staff now. We have, we have one guy who does sales like one day a week sometimes maybe two but yeah. typically when you only have one person doing sales in all these markets one day a week like there's only there's only so much you can pull off and it that kind of depends on you know which distributor they're out there actually you know pushing the market for in, in that place like we do great in seattle with just our distributors and never having a salesperson there but after having done some sales uh during some of our slower periods last year in portland i will say like it's uh you know we need somebody full time five days a week, and you know I could hit, I could hit that place with a rock, but yeah. that river is such a that's a that's a huge divide Oof. to cross. You know, I, it like, is it I, is a physical and mental barrier for I, a lot of people. I grew up in Vancouver, and I live in North Portland right now, and I have friends that live in downtown ish Vancouver that would rather drive to East Vancouver than to North Portland to hang out, and it just. It baffles my mind. It boggles my mind. My mother is the same way. She lives literally up the street from here, and I'm a stone's throw away across the bridge. It's like, ah, I can't cross the bridge. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I, I hear you on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm all too familiar with it. I moved here from Austin, Texas, and I used to get that all the time. Just, you know, if you live 
south of the lower Colorado or north, whichever. Yeah. You know, it's like your friends can call you and be like, man, we have kegs and free food and everything. And you're like, that I'm not crossing the river. <laughs> <laughs> you better bring that stuff to my house or I'm not going. <laughs> uh, Phil Runner, head brewer here at Lewis, sitting in with us right now on Beers on Us. How did you guys, and maybe this is more of a question for Matt, but how did you guys truly make a name for yourself in this city? Because when we talked in the first segment, Patrick, who grew up in Vancouver, said that you guys were basically the first big brewery that he remembered being a part of the Vancouver scene. So how did you decide to do that? How did you grow that? And uh, kind of what was the story there? Yeah, I'll jump in on this one. Um, it really started with, I mean, we had the Hazeldale Brew Pub and Salmon Creek Brewery in Vancouver. That yep. was basically yep, all was our it. options. And then McMinimins came in down on the river, um, and they've actually been the longest, most continuous brewing place in Vancouver so far. But there was this kind of revival about five, six years ago, and, and Lewitt was part of that. Uh, Mount Tabor was a big catalyst in that. Um, they've now moved to Florida and Portland, and so they're out of the downtown area. And then Heathen up in Salmon Creek was the third that really the three breweries started doing great beers and really promoting the scene. The Vancouver Downtown Association really jumped in as this is something that can bring a lot of tourism and business um, and really revive downtown because, uh, Patrick, you've been here. Vancouver's downtown scene 10 years ago was non-existent in the evenings and weekends. Yep. I mean, there were some, like, dive bars, like, like you know, places. I don't want to name names because yeah, I don't yeah. want to. But you know the places <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that I went to when yeah. I was 23, yeah. 22 years old that you look back and you're just like, what were we doing? And that, that wasn't was, much. Yeah, there wasn't. And the, the brewing scene really grabbed hold of that and was able to, you know, take some areas that were pretty dingy and pretty bad and bring a business in that um, people were excited to come visit. And, you know, this was an old car, car lot, um, old dealership that now is a brewery and a restaurant and other businesses have built around next to us with Smokin' Oak and the barbecue. and, and Go Cougs. Um, so it was, it's just kind of been a growing thing. In those six years, um, we've now seen, I think we have 26 or 30 breweries in Clark County. Mm-hmm. Um, and the well, three. I mean just downtown now. Just downtown, there's like. 12, I think, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's Trusty and Trapdoor, and Heathen's got a new place, and uh, who else am I missing? Doomsday? Doomsday's up there. there you yep, go. yep. Yeah. Um, and all sorts of great tap rooms built around it. Mm-hmm. So the whole beer scene just really started rising. Um, and like Phil was saying before with Lewitt, our goal has always been to build from in out. Mm-hmm. And so Vancouver was our first market that we wanted to make sure we were saturated in. We wanted to make sure that we. We're able to fulfill the needs of everyone in Vancouver. Then we'll look at the next market and fulfill those needs. And then we'll look at the third market and fulfill those needs. But we always want to keep our home base satisfied. And we were lucky with Shadow Shinobi, formerly known as Shadow Ninja, really found a following and just took off. Um, And that really helped build everything um, for us. So uh, having that beer be kind of the flagship at a time right before flagship started dying as ability, um, and everyone kind of had that with the three breweries. We r- and we were kind of spaced all the way around Vancouver. It really helped the whole scene raise. How, how, how is the Vancouver beer community? Because it's something I, I ended up taking Mike to the OBAs, the Oregon Beer Awards, the other day, for, and we did a podcast on it. And something that, you know, like with, with myself being fortunate to be at, with the Breakside Kids and just meeting all these people, we have such a, a strong community in Portland of support, mm-hmm. you know, that, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, we got to sell X amount of kegs, X amount of bottles to be able to pay our staff and expand when needed and blah, blah, blah. Do you guys see the same thing over here? Do you guys have a pretty 
What's the community like amongst brewers, like off the record, behind closed doors it's, kind it's of It's totally the same thing, and we stemmed a lot from that. So, you know, we're in an interesting area because we feed off Portland so strongly, mm-hmm. um, even though there's the barrier of the river and there's the uh, kind of um, negativity of, hey, it's Vancouver, not Portland. Right. But we're so interconnected in a market. Um, at the same time, all our representation for brewing and community through the Washington Brewers Guild and everything is really centered in um, Seattle. Um, and so we really don't get a lot of that feedback. We don't get that same resources. Kind of like if you were in Eugene. Yeah. In, in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Very, very similar. So we actually created our own guild. Uh, about two years ago, three years ago, we started it. And um, it's now fully up and running. We have meetings. And it's the North Bank um, because we wanted to include everyone, all the way from North Jetty on the coast mm. um, to out in Stevenson and um, those breweries. Because it wasn't just about Vancouver. It was about the Southwest Washington. As a whole. As a whole. And it's really built that community, too. So we have different um, events. In the, we do a North Bank Beer Week now in September um, where everyone participates. And we do a, a really cool brew fest called um, Building Bridges. Oh, I know that one. Yeah. Where we team up with a Portland brewery um, for a collaboration. And we have it here. And it's a great fest because it's a all-you-can-drink. You pay for, a, like, a ticket. And you're in. And you get to try everything. And everyone's out just really celebrating the fact of making beer and making quality special things just for this brew fest. That's my kind of festival. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Don't got to do with tickets. Just just pay a flat fee, call it a day. Uh, So that kind of leads into my next question. And you kind of alluded to maybe it's it's better or it's a good relationship. But do you find like – do you find that it might it's hard to enter the Portland beer scene even though you're in the Portland metro area because of the barriers we've been talking about or maybe because now you're doing the collaborations and a bunch of the breweries here are doing them? It's a little bit easier and more inclusive than it used to be. I would say it's, it's a mixed thing. There is always that um, Portland pride in which having Vancouver, Washington written on it means you're not Portland. And then other people see it as just a suburb and excited that it's still a local beer. You know, I'm only mm-hmm. two miles away at the same time. Um, for a lot of people, that's a big barrier of not local, um, especially when Portland has so many great breweries and they're just blocks away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does get us into that market um, being northwest, and we are very participatory in a lot of the Portland things. We've, um, a lot of the breweries here have been in OBF, and they've been you know, on Henry's Beer of the Month and all these different places. Um, what I think really the biggest difference is, is if you're catering to our home market, they have a different palate than Portland. This is something I always talk about. I'm, I'm interested in chatting about this with you because I always kind of mention that I think, you know, Portland has had such a, such a, I don't know, a, a brewing community for so much longer than Vancouver has. You know, I mean, like you said, there was only two breweries before you guys opened here. And now there's a community coming here. But I would say the palates, I guess I said earlier, were behind just in terms of years of experience. But they are different. It's, it's very different. Um, and I would say, you know, the three markets we're really in the, the most is Seattle, Portland, and, and the Vancouver Clark County. And all three are completely different. And so that as a brewery, when you're doing these different markets, it's very hard to make something that everybody is excited about. So you kind of have to make sure when you're doing your distribution or where it goes. Because for here in Vancouver, I find that palate, they want um, traditional IPAs and the hazy IPAs. Mm-hmm. They want very clean, crisp uh, ales. Um, and some light lagers, nothing too fancy, nothing too over the top. Uh, ester for or yeast forward beers tend to not do nearly as well here. Yet I take that same beer and I go over to Portland with it, where they've developed that palate for um, those more robust, complex flavor profiles, and it'll sell 
like wildfire. Like a saison with rose water and honey. Exactly, yeah. right? They're looking for those types of things, whereas the Vancouver market will be more of, um, well, why did you put rose water in it? You yeah, know? that sounds stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. weird. Saison, that's that weird. saison Give me a by itself would have been fine. So um, it, it has been interesting because we'll be excited about a beer. We're brewers. We want to be creative, and we'll make something, and we put it in here, and it doesn't move. Um, but we sell it over to Portland, and they're like, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take give it all. Give me more. Give me more. Same thing works the other way. We think we're making something for Portland, and then it sells in Vancouver like nobody's business. But in Portland, they're like, well, I'd like a little bit more creativity out of it. I'd like, <laughs> you know, and you do get that. That does sound pretty that's Portland. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a wild game yeah. to have to play. It's very interesting. So you just kind of know, like, especially in my job now, I look at a lot of that more distribution of where it's going. And I can kind of tell when we're making recipes who's going to be picking up the most of what because each area's um, palate is so drastically different. So for our listeners who are in Portland, what are some of the more common or well-known places you guys have beer in so that they can come try it if they haven't before, if they're not going to make the trip to Vancouver? If that they're is. Not gonna, you know, through our distributor, we kind of rotate um, quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of on and off. I know Roscoe's has had us on um, quite a few, few times. Um, and we kind of ebb and flow our cans is which is really where we're moving to phil had mentioned there's kind of a dynamic shift um we're going to start putting out about five different kind of flagship beers that we'll be able to keep up all the time and because of our distribution in vancouver uh, we're in a lot of the big grocery stores and so we're also aiming to do that in portland too mm. so the new seasons um are going to start carrying the, our the cans specialty stuff, grocery stores the specialty grocery the stores soup pans yeah. whole foods stuff like that um so they're kind of that middle ground they're not quite the freddies but at the same time um they carry a little bit more bulk and they carry a little bit more consistency and i think and i think the clientele is more curated towards craft beer yeah and 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 not the not the same thing like you know we, we talk about this all the time the, the fred meyer shopper you know, rotates between Ten Barrel, Deschutes, Widmer, and Ninkasi, and I you throw I, something else at them, and they're like, "Yeah, but I like this one." But yeah. this one sells, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's it's great as a small brewery. We we were talking about this a couple episodes ago, I think, yeah. about being smart and knowing like where to put yourself. And I think that's a great step for you guys. You know, and I think uh, for us, we when we first were in Portland, we're playing the boutique um, tap room or mm-hmm. and bottle shops, and that that is great. But still, you're only getting a handful of people getting to see that product right. that you're creating, that marketing that you're putting behind a, a can and stuff of that nature. So moving into some of these places is going to put a lot more uh, eyes on our product um, and participating in some more of the brew fest as we're looking at Portland as a market we can grow into. Vancouver, we've really hit what we can. And so now we're looking at how can we benefit um, Seattle's uh, community and Portland's community for our beers. I mean, that you're, what you're talking about is literally – exactly the idea that we had for the correct way to grow a small brewery because we talked about some of the ones that have been closing uh, in Portland and there's this no man's land you can get caught in mm-hmm. and we were saying if you start in the bottle bottle shops and the tap rooms you kind of get a little bit of a following people know who you are and then you don't just jump into the big supermarkets you make small steps mm-hmm. and you guys are going to go into the boutiques yeah. I'm a new season shopper myself I have one down the street from my house and that's where I get to try unique different beer because... It's usually where I find the best selection. I'm in Beaverton, so I don't have a ton of options yeah. in terms of tap rooms. So if I go to Albertsons, I get what Patrick mentioned. But if I go to New Seasons, I get a bunch of places I have her- had maybe once or twice. So if you guys start popping up in those, the same kind of consumer like me is going to go, oh, Lewitt, that's in Vancouver. I'll try that. Well, and and then there you go. It's that cross-marketing, too, because you know, we do have tap rooms that have carried us continuously. Um, Room 122 in, in um, Beaverton, Hillsborough area 
has always generally carried us on. They, they love our, our nitrous uh, McManus stout. Um, and so people see it and they're like, oh, where can I find this? And then they see it again in that grocery store and they're like, oh, this is that same brewery. Yep. I'm going to try something different from them. Preaching. Um, but Preach. when you only have rotating kegs and only popping up in different tap rooms, you need that second market. You need them to see the product in hand. Yeah, and you need the flagships. Yeah. Like there's a lot of breweries right now that are that are trendy, that are awesome, that I think that they don't, they need to start focusing on the flagship. You have to keep that that whether it's you know two sixteen or 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 Shinobi or or whatever whatever you want to choose. You just have to put that in and shove it down people's throat. <laughs> it's it's what keeps the business right because yeah. you put all the marketing. You can't the level of marketing, the level of design for labels, and the level of uh, research and development developing a beer to its perfect state. Um, I think any brewer will agree that your first time making a beer isn't exactly the perfect batch that you made. Mm -hmm. As you make a flagship over and over and over, you do very minute tweaks to really round out things, water profiles and um, timings of your hop and all those little things for clarity and, and flavor and pro, uh, mouthfeel that then after about four or five batches and you've come out, you've really honed it in. But unless you have a flagship, you don't get the opportunity to do that. When you're right. only making new, you just keep testing recipes without ever actually perfecting them. Correct. Before we let you go, any events you guys are doing or beers you're releasing soon that you're excited about? We have a couple things coming up. So, like I Basically, said, we're, we're asking you to pump the brand yeah, right Yeah, I'm going to pump yeah. the brand. <laughs> um, we have a lot of stuff coming out in the next couple months, um, really focusing on cans over the summer. Um, cool. Our tap room is always going to be open. We're going to be having good food and good uh, beers pouring. We just got an uh, October crowler, so we'll be able to do more beers to go oh, great. off of the draft starting this Friday. But the real thing is um, we have the Shield Your Eyes IPL coming out in two weeks. Um, we have another one-off um, can called um, If You Are to Bloom, which is going to be a hazy coming out. And then um, in June 21st, we are debuting Iron Rabbit, Grimlock, Shadow Shinobi in a new can, um, along with the lager as a full branded flagship set. Um, and that'll be out. Um, like a prepackaged case with all the different Not beers? all together, oh, okay. but they'll all be available all the time. Okay. Right? So we'll finally not just have Shinobi and Lager as flagship cans, but we'll have the full spectrum of the rainbow. Great. Um, with some extra ones adding on. And then in May 24th is going to be the first of our Player's Handbook series. We do a lot of D&D &D stuff here. Um, it's going to be an every two-month IPA series coming out in a can. Um, the first one is going to be Imperial Hazy. We're really excited about it because we're also trying to tie in a thing where they all link together. So it, by the end, when you get them all, um, you get some sweet prize for the player's handbook. Okay, cool. Um, so we're still developing that, but the, the beer's already getting written. Um, the label's already getting designed. Um, but it's going to be really exciting to be able to come in on a regular basis every two months to know that there's a special IPA release and that it's, it's going continuously through the same package. So. I, I, I don't You're know. very excited, I yeah, can tell. Yeah, my, my, as we say in the sports world, my sports pants or yeah. my beer pants are really tight right yeah. now. <laughs> Your beer pants runneth over. Yeah, my beer pants, I'm really excited right now. Well, that's Matt Freeland. He's the GM. We also had Phil Runner, who just stepped away for a couple of minutes. He's the head brewer who sat in with us. Thank you guys so much for having us and sitting in. Yeah, thanks for coming in anytime. You and, know. and do you want us to stick by for our beer of the week? We usually have one of you guys stay and yeah. do the tasting I'll with us. I'll be here for that, too. You cool. That. cool. That's coming up next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. All right, it's time for Beer of the Week here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And Do we I finally get to drink a beer now? <laughs> uh, maybe your third, yes. <laughs> the I never thought this would ever happen on this podcast. And 
We are going to do, for our beer of the week this week, drum roll please, a hazy IPA. Oh, hell. <laughs> for those of you who listened out there know far and well that we do not enjoy hazy IPAs, either of us. Patrick probably more more so against it than I am. But I'm just that get off my lawn kind of guy. Well, you yeah. Know? I mean, like shotgun, like don't mess with my West Coast, <laughs> you know. Um, so Phil's back on the mic now, by the way, for for tasting this with us and kind of he's been teaching me throughout the podcast of all my whole palate and stuff. So I'm kind of still learning how to do that. But I'll just read what it says on the menu and then you can kind of dive in more with what, what you think the beer tastes like and what you put into it. But very simply, it's the Iron Rabbit IPA. It says beautifully hopped and infinitely crushable hazy India pale ale and it is crushable because we got a little taster before we, we popped back on for the segment, and this is the least juicy, most sessionable hazy IPA I think I've, I've tried yet. Yeah, it's a little more approachable than some of the, uh, some of the, the hoppy fog banks that have rolled <laughs> through my pints. <laughs> the hoppy fog banks. Is that what you just said? Yeah. That is an yeah, excellent beer name. I mean, if you want to make a one-off hazy to poke fun at somebody, call it a like, hoppy fog bank. <laughs> you know, like I, I need, I need to see a future in that beer at some point. If I can't, if I can't see anything, then that's just, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it, this is a, like I said, we, 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 we crushed out like, I don't know, like twenty. We I mean, had about twenty different hazy recipes when this whole thing first hit. And uh, it was super hit or miss for the brewers. You know, we were, uh, you know, we had wildly varied results from the different recipes. And we kind of took, I think, some of our favorite things of, of, uh, uh, of, of the very best of those, like, 20 different experimental batches. I remember there, there was one called the Delirious Funky Weatherman. That, uh, also a cool name. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't shut up about it for weeks because first I was angry. Um just angry. Uh, I thought it was ugly, and I didn't want to serve it. <laughs> and so I uh, secretly, I was, I was in the cellar, and I pulled off some pints of it, and I find them and stuck them in the cooler. And I was like, "What would this be like if this beer wasn't ugly?" <laughs> 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 and uh, and uh, you know, hey, much to my chagrin, like uh, it, it, uh, it was way better with the haze in there. So there we go. Uh, and, and we kept, we did a bunch of different versions and we, d- we did some hell seven pounds per barrel, uh, hop additions is nothing compared to some of the ones we did. We, yeah. we dry hopped one to the point where I had to, uh, sanitize an arm length glove and shovel the hops from the dry hop port over to the other side of the tank and then continue filling. And then, uh, it came to a point where I, the tank was just, it was just full. It's just completely, it just completely full. full. Even with CO two bubbling up through the rack and arm, like I was trying desperately to get it to turn, and and I'm sure you had uh, a great yield from that. Beer oh too. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot came out of there. Tw- Twenty barrels of beer. We had like a twelve barrel yield. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, and uh, that that one was really funny too. That was a uh, them bones hazy. Uh, that was in a. We put so many hops in there. The me and the other brewer at the time, uh, Landon, were both like kind of like milling around the cellar talking to ourselves and saying like this is this is going to be undrinkable this is going to taste like grass clippings like if you just if you wanted to taste this you should just reach under your lawnmower after <laughs> a hard summer's day and just grab a handful of grass clippings and munch on them well and, so uh, it didn't taste like that at all it actually came out really <laughs> mangoey but uh it was interesting it was horrible to look at <laughs> it was it was so ugly so i mean i'll say this about the beer and i i, I, I kind of teased it i'm not a huge hazy fan i there are some that i've enjoyed 
Uh, there's some that I've gotten that I didn't know were hazies because they don't say hazy necessarily. Mm. That's such a trick. I'm like, mm. come on. You said IPA only. I wanted an IPA, and then it comes out like orange juice. But uh, there have been some that I have enjoyed, even even if that's happened to me. But I'm not kidding when I say this is the best one that I've had because it is just easy drinking. The reason I don't like hazies, personally, is I don't like the pulpy thing that goes on with it. Like, it, it just tastes like juice to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste like beer. And this tastes like beer. And it just has a little bit more of the citrus-forward stuff that you would get in a really citrusy IPA. And, of course... If you look at it, it's hazy, but it's tr- it's drinkable. It's smooth. It's easy. It's not. It doesn't hurt me when I go when I go through the sip. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, I think you know I'm going to describe my feelings about this beer differently than you than you just did, but we're landing on the same point. What I love about this beer is that I get hop character. I get a touch of residual bitterness. Now the the, the style in itself doesn't want strong amounts of bitterness. That's just kind of how what it's built on, but. If you're going to add that much hops, just me as a drinker, that's the get-off-my-lawn kind of style. Like, I do need some bitterness. It doesn't have to be overpowering. And I get that, but what I really love in this body is that it's it's light. It's light like a Session IPA. And, it's, and Session IPAs are something that I think get a bad rap a lot of times because people, oh, I don't want to pay 6 bucks for a pint of, you know, 5% beer. And it's like, well, I like beer, and I want to drink a lot of it. So Session IPAs are my jam. And this has that kind of body of it. It's it's reduced. It's not chewy. Um, it's really kind of soft, which is really nice. Um, that I don't. The terms pillowy and cloudy and or not cloudy, but pillowy and fluffy that get thrown around in hazy IPAs, they sound like soft and gentle. No, they're chewy. Yeah. It's like I'm shoving your head in a pillow. That's what it tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and this doesn't have it. it it's a lighter bodied. Um, it's it's extremely drinkable. I can taste the hops. Uh, kudos. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. For, yeah. for for a diehard West Coast IPA kid, um, this hazy ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad that uh, apparently you, I, and Matt all kind of have that same get off my lawn mentality when it comes mm-hmm. to it. You know, like there are some aspects of a style that I don't think should be sacrificed. Uh, to do that you know like i don't i don't like to make beers that in the end don't taste like beers right that it bums me out it's okay once in a while like sometimes there's like a crazy dessert stout or something like that you just want to try or whatever and that's you were shooting for that all along but when it comes to a beer that you're otherwise calling an ipa you know with hazy tagged onto that like it should still be it should still drink like that well and i I think i think i really wish a lot more people we saw this at obas when we were at obas a couple people said this and i'm going to reiterate it you know, it, it's one thing to have a trend come along or, or something be new and interesting like hazy IPAs and you being very hesitant to want to get into that. Like, I can understand that. But if you are eventually going to jump on, and I think a lot of people had to eventually jump on this style, stay true to yourself. And if you want to make the juicy, the chewy bodies, the pillowy, if you will, uh, style of hazy IPAs, that's go for it. But... If, like what you're saying, like if I'm going to put this much hops in it, I need it to taste like hops. And to be true to yourself but still jump on, you know, whether you call it a trend or an innovation, however you want to describe it, I think that says a lot. And I think that gives me even more respect than I already had for this brewery. So thank you for that. And I just want other breweries to feel the same way. You know, don't sacrifice who you are because the crowd wants hazies. 
Yeah. Because really, realistically, in hazies, most of it is just the way it looks. Right. It's not even really about how it tastes anymore. It's just all aesthetics. So how do you make a beer that is aesthetically pleasing but still true to your brand? Yeah, yeah. I really also appreciate how you use the word uh, innovation uh, <laughs> to soften the, the trendy thing. Yeah, yeah. Because well, yeah. I mean, well, it's kind of here to well, stay, isn't it? Well, some people would call it an innovation. Some people would call it a trend. And, and I don't want to uh, – I don't want to turn off those that would call it innovation from listening to this uh, podcast. <laughs> we do. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in mind the next time that I go on one of my rants about how I don't like chasing trends as a brewer. Yeah, yeah. And try to remind myself that I could just think of it as an opportunity for innovation. Um, well, you can just say I don't think this innovation is working. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta just this innovation is BS. I yeah. Want to just move on there here. There you go. <laughs> And then you're not really you're not really bashing anything. Yeah, yeah, and I think staying tr- like you said, staying true to yourself too is like, in the end, like chasing trends, listening to the market, you know, being close enough to your distributors to understand what they think the people in their areas want and all that kind of stuff. That's all great, um, but when it comes to chasing trends as a brewer, like, uh, you know, hazy IPAs are interesting. They've stuck around for quite a moment, you know, but otherwise, like, chasing trends is fruitless and seems dumb to me sometimes you know like by the time i hear of this thing that everybody wants i've got to plan it i've got to order the stuff for it i've got to put it in i've got a month to turn it around after that and then by that point it's like well there's a new trend and i'm supposed to be chasing that thing too and at some point it's just like what do we want to drink and that's where everything here starts is like we'll come up with a cockamamie idea and then bounce it off of each other until we decide that, yeah, we're super into that thing and then just make it. And if I can, if I can help fill in the gaps in the market when people have suggestions, you know, great. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm not going to break myself crawling around on my hands and knees making beer that I don't necessarily want to drink myself. That's you shouldn't. just... That's just not the way to make do it. beer that you want to drink, not beer that everybody wants you to drink. Oh, we heard that at the OBAs too. That's Who was it? I, that's um, what I was referencing. Alehouse or Alesong. Alesong. Yeah, those guys said it when they won awards. Yeah. It, yeah. Make the beers you want to drink, and then people will like it because you're passionate about it. That's what it's all about, man. Forget about brewing the style. I mean, if you want to brew specifically to win medals and that kind of stuff, then go for it. Knock yourself out. Yeah, if that's but, what you want to do. But in the end, would you rather be holding a medal or would you rather be sitting down at your own bar in the afternoon, being so blown away by what you made that you? don't even really want to go hang out anywhere else right. i like that feeling i like being able to I, I like being able to go out to get beers elsewhere when i want and i like being able to bring home my own beer anytime i there's our beer of the week it is the iron rabbit uh hazy sessionable hazy ipa here at lewitt uh phil Rohner back on the mic here for us uh and matt freeland still sitting alongside thank you guys so much appreciate it and uh, I really enjoy it's my my second time here, but my first time really here to try the beer and the food. So I've great. really, really enjoyed it. So thank you guys. I got a big smile on my face. I'm a happy camper. <laughs> right on. Uh, we will be back next week. We have not planned that far ahead, but uh, we'll have something good for you. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, subscribe, rate, review wherever you find us. And uh, social media, I'm at MikeLynch27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. Thursday is 4 o'clock. You'll find this podcast. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Whoa. We'll see you next week. Deuces. Bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.